Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. Today is Wednesday, November 7th. I am Ann Picker, Econa Day's Chief Economist, and with me today is Jeremy Hawkins in London. Jeremy, you have a lot on your plate as usual. Well, there's quite a lot going on here, but it's, I suppose it's got to be said again that developments, at least economic developments in Europe, are still lagging well behind what we're seeing on your side of the pond. Over the last what week or so, we've seen a disappointing third quarter GDP on the flash figure there for the Eurozone as a whole, showed a just a quarter on quarter increase of 0.2%. So as I say, well below the kind of rates we're seeing uh, in the States at the moment. And it's we've had early evidence, at least from the, uh, the purchasing managers indices, which we've had over the last few days, that it seems October hasn't given a particularly buoyant start to the fourth quarter either. Now, although we don't have any of the expenditure details of GDP yet. The uh, Eurostat, the stats body, are quite slow at releasing those. Um, it does look as if you know one of the big issues here is uh, the lack of consumer demand. And with that in mind, we had the uh, retail sales figures for the Eurozone this morning. They showed, and these are in volume terms, of course, they don't include inflation effects such as uh, the state's numbers do. But in volume retail sales for the, uh, the Eurozone, they were just flat on the month in September. And that left the third quarter also unchanged from its level in the second quarter. So clearly, one of of the reasons why we had the, the disappointing growth in the third quarter was you know, the lack of a consumer sector really going out and spending. Um, now, it remains to be seen whether or not we're going to see any kind of rebound in the fourth quarter, but you know, just simply looking at things like consumer confidence, the, the trend there has been flat, if not somewhat down over the course of the last few months, um, given all the political uncertainties surrounding Brexit, uh, surrounding now you know, the departure of uh, the German, German Chancellor Angela Merkel from the head of her particular party, uh, the ongoing political problems surrounding the Italian budget deficit, it could well be that the fourth quarter is going to see a relatively soft consumer sector as well. Now, if that were to be the case, um, it's going to make the upcoming ECB meeting next me- no, sorry, next month all the more interesting. Now, ostensibly, of course, we should see the ECB's asset purchase program coming to an end at the end of 2018. And at this stage, I must say, it still seems like that will be the case. But I think it's interesting that uh, you know, there's quite a few rumours doing the rounds now that we'll see a fresh tranche of the so-called targeted long-term repos. Now, these were introduced last time around in March 2016. And essentially, it's just a means of trying to ensure cheap funding for the banks. Because we move over the next year or so, there's going to be a number of repayments that banks who have been accessing these repos in the past will have to make back to the ECB. So it's quite clear that you know, the ECB is worried about any kind of increase in interest rates, which happens too soon. I think, you know, so the bottom line in summary, as far as Europe's concerned at the moment, yes, we may well see the end of the asset purchase program from the central bank at the end of this year. But the likelihood of any increase in increase in official ECB interest rates looks about as distant as other, uh, as it always has done. Um, I quickly mentioned, say, the Italian budget standoff. I think you know, the main date uh, for people to put in their diaries there will be the 13th of November. That's when this uh, new Italian coalition government will have to submit any new plans it might want to offer. At the moment, they say there's loggerheads between the government and what the EU Commission want with regards to the size of the budget deficit. And it's got to be said, it's difficult to see any side backing down at the moment. So that's very much a negative for the euro. Um, and also, of course, as far as Brexit's concerned, and we can't leave without talking about 
about Brexit as ever. And it's been uh, potentially an interesting week so far over just uh, the last couple of days, in a sense that there's been a lot of rumours coming out of Downing Street and out of the UK press to the effect that there could be some kind of deal announced by the end of this week. Um, apparently, cabinet ministers have been invited to Downing Street today to read an almost complete text of what the government is hoping to be the EU withdrawal agreement. Now, it looks as if this document doesn't include everything. Crucially, it doesn't include the, the so-called Irish backstop proposals, which are you know, the big contentious issue at the moment. But nonetheless, um, if you believe the, you know, what's currently being reported, supposedly the document lays out a timetable which will lead to uh, the House of Commons voting on the deal on the 27th of November. Now, this may or may not be true. And I think, to be perfectly honest, it's anybody's guess at the moment. But were that to happen, and certainly if there's going to be potential for sterling to come out with a fairly significant bounce, not just against the dollar, but against um, you know, all the other major currencies as well. Um, just to round off with some of the numbers, it's not too an important week for the Eurozone, but on Friday we'll get a stack of UK numbers, including uh, third quarter GDP, the September monthly GDP data as well. They're expected to show a relatively strong third quarter, but with growth slowing during the course of that period. So again, you know, chances of a, a near-term hike in UK interest rates uh, seem pretty remote at this stage, and it's very unlikely, I think, we'll see any move until Brexit, assuming it does happen you know it has actually taken place at the end of march next year that's my lot thank you jeremy uh the first of three central bank meetings uh this week took place uh tuesday and that was the reserve bank of australia and as absolutely no surprise to anyone left its policy interest rate unchanged at 1.5%, where it has been since August 2016. In a statement, the decision again highlights that the global economic expansion is continuing, but notes that growth has slowed a little in China and that the direction of international trade policy in the United States represents an uncertainty for the global outlook. The RBA has revised their average economic growth forecasts in 2018 and 2019 slightly higher from around 3% to around 3.5%, but expect growth to moderate in 2020. Mining exports and non-mining business investment are still expected to support headline growth in the near term, although the board remains uncertain about the outlook for household consumption, which has been weak. The RBA remains confident about the outlook for the labor market and have revised down the level they expect the unemployment rate to fall to over the next few years, from around 5% to around 4.75%. They say that the way that wage growth has picked up a little and expect the trend to continue, albeit gradually. Inflation is expected to rise modestly from the current levels around 2% to around 2.25% in 2019 and a bit higher in 2020. Low interest rates are still considered to be providing support to the domestic economy and consistent with sustainable growth as well as achieving their bank's inflation target over time. Uh, 
Next up will be the Reserve Bank of New Zealand. No change is anticipated in the overnight cash rate or OCR there, which is currently 1.75%. Then, of course, we have the Federal Reserve following up there. So we have a busy week coming up, continuing, I should say. Anything else, Jeremy? No, I suppose we just mentioned the way the, the financial markets have been responding to the midterm elections. I guess you know it's pretty well the, the final result. It well was largely discounted. I think it's probably safe to say that you know the reaction we've seen so far is is kind of in line with what makes intuitive sense uh, to the extent that you know the split Congress perhaps reduces the likelihood of additional uh, fiscal reflation, um, which in turn has been taken quite well by the bond market and it's seen the dollar come off a little bit. But um, I think you know once we've seen the dust settle down it's probably going to be not too much of an impact across the board righto thanks jeremy until next week